0: Hello and welcome to Mash Mouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970 sitcom Mash. I'm Ethan.
1: And I'm Vanessa.
0: Vanessa. So, this episode is once again sort of a vignette story. And one of the vignettes is Henry shows everybody uh, his home movies from back in Illinois, right? So, I wanted to ask you uh, do you have any experience like making home videos or home movies with your family? Anything from like your childhood, you know?
1: Yeah. So it's funny that you ask that because this past Mother's Day, my sister and I um, compiled all of our old home movies on like camcorders and we digitalized them. So all like the cassette tape kind of things and VHS tapes and whatnot, we compiled them all into digital videos and organized them by year. And so that was just a really fun like trip down memory lane. We got so many like family memes out of it <laughs> that my sister and I now quote to each other and my mom and I quote to each other. So it's really, really fun to see those memories just digitalized and to live on forever.
0: Yeah, I think we are the generation that's kind of the tail end Of the VHS tape home movie. Mm -hmm. And I have a kind of weird relationship with like that kind of thing. uh, Because I really like filmmaking. Like I always wanted to be like a filmmaker as a kid. So I kind of was one of those kids who took the family video camera. And just kind of did my own thing with it. But we definitely have a lot of those old... VHS recordings of when we were like little kids with our cousins Mm -hmm. and a few years ago like me and my sister and my my one cousin uh just like all hung out together and just watched all of those videos for like an afternoon and it was really cute and like you know early onset nostalgia of like (laughs) oh I remember when things were were simple and fun remember that
1: yeah it's, Um, it's so great to be able to have those things captured so I'm always, I know that, you know, when we were younger, you know, we were not the generation of growing up with iPhones. So, of course, was a lot harder to take, you know, videos of when we were little and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm so thankful for like old recordings. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But yeah, we should talk about the episode and why that's kind of relevant to this discussion.
0: (laughs) Yes, let's, let's do that. So this episode was Dear Dad 3. Where Hawkeye writes a letter to his dad once again, uh, telling him all about the happenings around camp. Topics include a soldier with a grenade lodged in him, happy hour, watching home movies, and more. <laughs> Vanessa, what did you what did you think of this one? This one was kind of odd.
1: So we had previously enjoyed the Dear Dad episodes. I really liked the last two. This one really didn't do it for me. Um. Uh, we'll get into why, but yeah, I just, I wasn't really jazzed about this episode.
0: Yeah, which there's one kind of glaring element to this episode that is like, that's that just wasn't handled well. But beyond that, I think structurally, this episode is a lot, like, More worse than the other ones. More worse. Uh, Yeah, like not as good as the other ones without even the problematic elements. I like some scenes, but I feel Dear Dad 2 had a good sense of ongoing narrative to it where Mm -hmm. every vignette had its own kind of self-contained story and it kind of built off the next one and had this nice conclusion to it. But this was every scene was a different little story And they're all kind of disconnected and all kind of not super memorable, except for maybe one or two, but none of them had like the lasting power of the previous Dear Dad vignette stories.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Um, I didn't find really any of the scenes like super memorable you know i i was worried that we were gonna have much to talk about in this episode but yeah i agree with you that it was just kind of like a lackluster episode for me
0: which is so sad because i i genuinely love the dear dad uh format i think the first two are really standouts out so the first season so it's kind of sad and i don't know if this is the last one but it, it might be so it's kind of sad that the last dear dad episode is kind of going out with a whimper more than a bang you know what i mean
1: <laughs> yeah definitely yeah i agree with you on that one so let's get into talking about these vignette style scenes at first, it opens up with the camp just being bored, which, by the way, I think was in the last two Dear Dad episodes, too, where the camp was just yeah. bored in all of these episodes where Hawkeye's writing home to his dad, which I thought was kind of funny.
0: He only finds the downtime to write when there's nothing going on. So yeah, it, it I guess like, so. makes sense. Yeah,
1: that <laughs> does make sense, actually. I didn't even think about that.
0: Should I say something? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> Sorry, these are so hard to talk these about. These are hard. To I talk never about. know how to approach them. I mean, I um,
1: I do have one thing to say. When Hawkeye is first writing home to his dad, like this introduction scene frank and trapper are playing cards with each other and i always say it as much as i don't like frank burns right i love it when they're kind of getting along with him because i want them to be Mm -hmm. friends um and frank is just so desperate to have friends but he's so insufferable that he just kind of can't um so i just thought this is like so throwaway but i just thought it was kind of wholesome that they were playing together and then of course he gets mad at trapper and like storms out
0: (laughs) i really like this bit this uh This is definitely an early highlight. I really like that they clarify in Hawkeye's narration that this would only happen when, like, they are dead bored. (laughs) Like, it's the worst experience for these two to kind of come together. And then Frank is like, I'm not. I'm never talking to you again. I'm never talking to you until this war's over. Uh, Trapper just goes like, oh, "I'll speak to you again in World War Three, buddy." Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's again very throwaway and like has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. But yeah, this this early scenes like maybe one of the strongest scenes of the episode. Unfortunately,
1: <laughs> I did. I thought it was. I thought it was cute. I thought it was funny. This next scene though. Where they are in the OR, I guess it's like their last stint of patience before they hit this lull period. This was kind of weird to me, because Radar runs in and shows Henry this x-ray, and Henry says, Radar, you can't bring a guy with a grenade in his pants in here. And Radar says... No, like this grenade is inside of him and i was so confused about this i'll read you my notes so when they rush out to see this patient with a grenade lodged in him i literally wrote down where is this unexploded grenade is it like up his ass or something how does that yes. even happen like where was it
0: <laughs> i was hoping that you would understand this better than i did because the entire time i was like how do you get a grenade launched in you i assume That is not up his butt. That would be insane. Yeah. Uh, How does that even, like, work? I assume that this is based off of something that can happen. Like, they launch a grenade at you and sometimes it doesn't go off, but I guess you become liquid for a second and it just absorbs into your skin. I have no idea how that would, like, functionally work. If anyone listening to this has experience with getting grenades out of a human body, please tell us how they get in there in the first place.
1: So this could definitely be, um, like, not accurate for the time period, right? But I did look it up just now, and it does say that, you can sustain an explosive becoming lodged in your body. But that this article well, this article that I was reading it from was from 2020. So I don't know if like the shrapnel or whatever what the like grenades back then would have done that because they lift this thing out of this guy and it's just like how could that have happened? Like how did that happen? It was so, so crazy.
0: And obviously, like, this aired on regular TV, like, CVS. So they can't show, like, the wound where this is from. That'd be, like, too gory. I This is the one time in these surgery scenes where I'm like, show me literally every detail of this surgery. I need to know, like, where this thing is, what the wound looks like. I was so confused.
1: We need to get that doctor from the YouTube videos that debunk yes, uh, these. Yes, Dr. Um, Mike. Yes, Dr. Mike, please tell us if this can happen, and please tell us if someone can survive this.
0: <laughs> please do. Um, <laughs> but I will say, otherwise, other than the the implausibility or kind of confusion of the circumstance, I thought that like Hawkeye's narration made this feel like kind of intense he was talking about like oh they don't teach you this in med school and it could be like their last moment because this is a pretty harrowing surgery for literally everyone involved if they get it wrong everyone can blow up so like not great but I just wish that that emotional stakes could be more enjoyed without me trying to 4d chest my way into figuring out how this thing got watched in him
1: yeah i did really like this scene of um this intensity i always really like these intense scenes where everyone involved has to kind of rely on the other person to be at their best at that time when the stakes are like super high obviously this was about you know i guess saving basically the whole or with this guy who had a potentially explosive grenade in him but yeah usually you see it with like the high intensity of like the patients and wanting to save a patient and stuff like that so i I did enjoy this scene and the intensity between hawkeye trapper or i'm sorry the intensity between hawkeye henry and margaret but other than that like it was it was so strange to me because i couldn't get it out of my head that how did this happen
0: <laughs> yeah it's a weird mental image for sure. You're either thinking of something like completely silly or you're just trying to figure out how this works practically. Definitely. Again, if you're if anyone has experience with this type of surgery somehow, please let us know. Yeah, I'm genuinely I would interested. really
1: really like to know. So after this, we get I think our collective favorite scene. I don't know if it's right after this, but this is, you know, kind of where we're going. <laughs> um mm-hmm. our collective favorite scene of this episode was when henry gets uh these home movies from his wife back home and he invites hawkeye and trapper and radar in to watch them with him i absolutely loved this scene
0: yes this scene was the best scene unironically like in the episode i know i just said that the opening scene of like hawkeye or of frank and trapper playing cards is like the best moment but like For real, this part with uh, Henry's home movies is great. I love seeing his wife and his family. I think this is the only time we'll get to see them. And kind of grounded Henry as like a real person with a life outside of this camp, which was really fun to see because we even see Henry in these videos in his like backyard in black and white. I was like, right, he exists. He doesn't just live in Korea. He at one point lived at home in Illinois and it was like really sweet and really, uh, you know, sad and like has that perfect kind of nostalgic vibe of like, oh man, this is lovely. But also I feel bad for these moments that are gone, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. I thought that it was, um, I did get kind of sad, especially at the scene. So in the home movie that Henry's wife sent him, it was his daughter's birthday party. And at the end of it, all the kids at the party hold up these letters And it says miss you and it's so sad and so sweet Mm -hmm. and um henry's wife it like blows him a kiss and it's it's a very emotional scene even though it's like pretty quick yeah and right like you said right after that there's this she tacks on this um whole movie of henry just kind of being goofy in the backyard with like their neighbors and it's just it's a very sweet very humanizing thing almost of these characters and their backstory i always like the exploration of what these characters have left at home and what makes them human beings and whatnot. Yeah, I, I I really, I enjoyed this scene a lot. And Henry's wife was really pretty and he's lucky to be with her.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was the thing that kind of ruined it, honestly, for me, just a little bit, is that I know this man is cheating on his wife. Yeah. So it's like, how dare you, my good friend, with your wife and children and beautiful family, low-key ruining that while you're, twenty thousand miles away or however long Koreas from <laughs> Illinois. Uh it it did kind of sting. I was like, my dude, if you love your wife and like have this super loving family, then why literally at the end of this episode you're like, hey, wanna go back to my tent, random nurse? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Come that, on, Henry. That
1: wasn't that really wasn't great. But yeah, that wasn't fantastic. But <laughs> <laughs>
0: To bring it around, I love the, the part after this emotional I miss you thing, or we miss you thing from the home video, uh, Hawkeye says, Henry, if you don't give the order to cry, then I will. That was perfect, like, Hawkeye-ism of, like, this is sincerely emotional, but I'm gonna, like, kind of be sardonic about it. It was, I, I really like this whole bit. I like Radar, too, how he's, like, clapping along and, like, just reacting really yeah, strongly. Yeah, I to was
1: this. gonna say, um, one part of why I liked this scene so much, other than the fact that it was just a really sweet thing and very funny with Henry, was the fact that it seemed like the cast was, like, really getting into this whole movie. It must have been, like, it, it seemed like they were having a lot of fun shooting this scene with Alan Alda's laugh. Like, that's contagious. You're gonna oh, laugh yeah. regardless of what it is. Um... <laughs> So yeah, I thought that I, like I said, this is the best scene in, in the whole episode for me.
0: Yeah, it's crazy that this was like five minutes into the episode too. Yeah, it like, was I so Like I would have saved on. this to the end. I know. <laughs> and yeah, not to carry on about this, but I also, I loved Alan Alda's laugh as well. The fact that that man has not like voiced the Joker is insane <laughs> to me. He's got such a Joker laugh. He does. If it. he
1: If he had like, if he put some sinisterness into that laugh he would have a joker ass laugh you're right I didn't even think about that wow wow so
0: (laughs) moving on from this there are a few like very small scenes in between these moments like they have uh like happy hour and stuff but maybe we'll talk about that later they don't really have like relevance to the the main story but like the next big uh segment from this episode is when uh Hawkeye trapper radar Margaret and Frank and Henry are having like an annual meeting that they're supposed to have every month about like the proficiency of the camp that they haven't held in like 6 months and what did you <laughs> what did you think of this whole like meeting bit
1: there was nothing that really, like super stood out to me about this one. But I did like it for the fact that it's scenes like this in Mash and in other sitcoms, but particularly in Mash, where it feels so like genuine and organic these interactions between characters of like people making like quick snide remarks and like talking over each other and stuff like that where it feels like it's not. A sitcom almost it feels not even like a tv show it's just like okay this would like actually happen like this is like real true people <laughs> and real true dialogue and that's why i really liked this scene as well eh, other than the fact that it was funny hawkeye and trapper decide to put to a vote because they know that this is this meeting is essentially like bullshit right Uh-oh. um they right. put to a vote that the war is over. They're like, okay, we're, we're done. And they just walk away. And I really liked how after this meeting was over, Trapper just like stood up on the table to like get over the table instead of just like coming around. I don't know why, but that struck me as so funny. And again, <laughs> why I liked so much these interactions, because I was like, I could see Trapper like actually doing that.
0: Yeah, no, I loved how Frank reacted to them putting a vote to end the war. As if, like, they actually had the power to do that. He was like, you can't do that. I know. And they're like, yes, we can. (laughs) It's so funny what he will react strongly to. Because it's like, come on, come on, guy. Everybody knows that they can't end the war here. And he's, like, not pretending, like, kind of sincerely frustrated that they would even, like, joke about that. And it's the kind of, like, annoying, like, Frank Burns stuff. Yeah, exactly. With what you were saying about the the dialogue feeling like authentic in this, this scene really reminded me, like in high school, I took a lot of drama classes and this scene felt like a scene that we would do as like, you know, acting practice where the teacher we had would often take like dialogue from sitcoms and like that would be our exercise for the day. And this scene in particular, I could really see that being Uh, an exercise in a drama class. It's just like that kind of writing.
1: Yeah, I think that it almost seemed in this scene that it was like ad-libbed almost. That's how natural the writing and the acting was. That I would have definitely believed if you had told me that the writers were like, yeah, mess around as your characters and just like be on set as your characters in this meeting. And this is what they came up with. That's what it felt like to me.
0: Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. See, when we're talking about this episode, it's like, oh yeah, this episode's pretty good. But then like you watch it again, you're like, oh, this is just kind of fine. Because it, it has these like moments of like goodness. But then there's also these moments of, Oh no, they they didn't really handle this well. And that kind of brings us to a very difficult element of this episode, which is that Hawkeye is treating this patient in the uh, infirmary who is racist and doesn't want non-white blood to be in him. So they kind of use that to teach him a lesson. And it really... uh. <laughs> The show's handled race better in the past uh, with this kind of thing, and I just don't think that they quite hit the nail on the head of what they're trying to do, even for the time period. I think there's a better way to handle this.
1: Yeah, there were some just, like, racist jokes that were thrown in there really quickly, like racist stereotypes against Black people. And it just, like, wasn't funny, you know? I mean, like, I'm, mm-hmm. it was more acceptable, I guess, in the 1970s. But like you said, the show had already handled race better in previous episodes. And so I can't... I don't even want to, like kind of even give the show a pass for the time period because it's just like, you you already did this better. Like, what were you doing? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think that there was like... I understand that they were trying to send a good message also, though, with this, even though I do believe that it was mishandled even for the time. Like you said, this guy in the OR, and it's it's kind of throughout the episode.
0: Yeah, this is the runner.
1: Yeah, and he is... He says to Hawkeye, while Ginger, the only black nurse in the outfit, it seems, is right next to him in the OR. He's like, don't give me any, like, he said, give me the right color of blood. And it's just like, Yeah, he says so a,
0: a sort of racial slur, unfortunately. Did he? Uh, I don't remember, because
1: I, I remembered that this was the episode with, like, the racism aspect against black people. And I was like, yeah, I just want to get through this as quickly as possible, because I knew that <laughs> this was not going to be great.
0: Even Hawkeye and Trapper's plan to, like, teach him a lesson, uh, as soon as it started, I, I literally tensed up. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, because oh,
1: no. Hawkeye and Trapper um, decide they're going to, like, trick this guy into giving him, like, that they gave him the wrong color blood, being, like, a black person's blood. And they start to, like, paint him darker, which just... just- Oh, God, it was just so bad. It was so bad for so many
0: reasons. I don't even know how to, like, talk about it. It wasn't as bad as I was anticipating, because there is some very bad racial makeup done in this sort of era. So it's, like, more tasteful than it could have been. But also, the second he brings out the makeup, I was like, no, please don't. Please Just stop here. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I like, I understand their intentions. Like, I like the the sort of moral that that Hawkeye teaches him at the end of like, all blood is the same blood. Like, that's that's a good lesson, especially early 70s, like right off the heels of the civil rights movement. It's like good to teach that uh, people are just people. Everyone's the same but the the approach with the comedy is just not good i i did not particularly enjoy this running bit that's unfortunately like the focal point of the episode
1: i do think though and again not to grant the show any like, pass on this because, like we said, it just was not handled the best. I did like the few scenes with Ginger, the black nurse, in them. Yeah,
0: Ginger's great.
1: So, Hawkeye and Trapper are kind of like, when this guy is sedated, they start painting him darker and darker. Again, not good, but that's what they were doing. And he, I think he asks Klinger and then he asks Ginger, like, hey, am I darker since I came in? Whatever and ginger kind of is playing along with this uh plot and she says like oh hey they have you down here as white like good for you basically saying oh this guy is like mm-hmm. white passing whatever he starts to like get rude and nasty with her and she says hey listen like even if you are white passing whatever i'm still a lieutenant and he's obviously still you know a private corporal whatever so she puts him in his place like listen like just because you're white basically it doesn't mean that you can treat me disrespectfully like we're still in the army i'm still an officer be respectful that comes back around in the end where the show does make it very explicit that like racism is bad you should not be racist and the whole point was to kind of like make this guy learn that you shouldn't worry about whose blood is in you like we're all people and the soldier has this redemption arc and he ends up saluting Ginger when he leaves the outfit. And I thought that it was like a nice bow to put on it. Again, I don't think that it was the best.
0: <laughs> it was a little too after school, specially for me of like, this is the the tape that they show in school or whatever to show kids not to be racist. So it was like a little too simple and clean moral wise. With this kind of edgy humor around it. I just. I respect what they were trying to do, but I don't think they, uh, they handled this execution very well.
1: Like I said, they didn't give racism a pass, but yeah, like you said, could have definitely been better. But. Let's move past this because we have been talking about it for a while and it was just not a great part of the episode. It wasn't even fun, right? So um, like you said before, there were these little miscellaneous happy hour scenes. And this kind of also contributed to why I didn't really like the episode because structurally it didn't make sense. Like in the beginning and in the middle, Klinger was talking about having like a hernia repair, which was never followed through on. There was this terrible scene between Frank and Margaret where like, they hit each other, and I just didn't really care for that. that
0: was insane, not to derail, but that scene was insane the like the fact that they hit both each other and they're like, "Oh, go on." I was like, "No, stop it where where this is, this is crazy." Yeah, <laughs> I did not like seeing uh Frank hit Margaret and vice versa. Don't hit people." That's yeah, not fun.
1: Yeah, you should not be definitely not be hitting the person that you're in a relationship with ever at all, no matter what your gender is, right? Um so that scene just really wasn't great even though I I started to like it because or I liked it before I should say because Margaret was like, "Listen, Frank, I I'm done being like your mistress basically like you don't see me as a human being you don't see me as like a really smart nurse anything like that you see me as somebody to have sex with during the war essentially and i was like oh good for margaret and then i remembered the what was coming next i was like oh my god when is she gonna put her foot down for good
0: <laughs> not for a while from yeah. what i understand unfortunately but i i did also like the bit where she was like i have a brain too. And then Frank being kind of a sleazeball is like, let me kiss your brain and like kiss her on the forehead. Just like, Frank's so sleazy, man. And then the fact, like, everything with consent, but the fact that they like hit each other and like are into it, I'm like, this is just kind of weird. I don't like this.
1: It was, yeah, it was not the best. And that also kind of contributed to why I didn't really care for this episode. And then uh, there was that, I think you had mentioned it before, but. Henry was saying something to another nurse uh, at the end, where he was like, "Hey, like you could get promoted in the field, or you could come back to my tent." And I right. was like, "Wow, just really right. using your that power, straight up power
0: to... dynamic." Yeah,
1: that I just I was like, "Man, can this episode just <laughs> can you like limit it?" Jesus.
0: <laughs> I I will say during these happy hour segments, I think uh, there was a bit with like radar and some nurse. And I like this bit, uh, even though it was kinda like weird, that she asked Radar like, Oh, I hear you're a virgin and he just is legitimately like, I don't know if I am. That <laughs> was such a weird bit. I was like, What does that mean? What is what has radar been up to? That he's like, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm actually. not sure.
1: Yeah, I thought that that was kind of cute, and I felt bad for him, and I also felt bad in that scene, too, for Father Mulcahy, because Henry was just drunk babbling to him, and I did think that that was kind of funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> McLean Stevenson does really good drunk acting, in my he opinion. He does. He really does. He sounded legitimately slurred.
1: Yeah, and like I usually don't think that drunk actors in sitcoms do that good of a job, but McLean no. Stevenson does. He really does. <laughs>
0: yeah um so as you can tell we we do enjoy this episode like it is like pretty okay but there are just some moments where like no actually we don't need this <laughs> um, yeah
1: this was definitely also more of a filler episode it felt like yes um, definitely you know I, I was i was a little bit disappointed with the fact that it was a dear dad episode and wasn't as good as the previous ones
0: yeah because the other ones, they were segmented like this. They were more vignette, you know. But I feel like they all had like, purpose and, like, kind of moved things along. Uh, Where this is kind of, like, just, you know, them hanging out average day, which is, like, fine. But I feel like the other ones had a lot more heart to it. Like, a lot more stakes in the, the different things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'd agree with you on that one.
0: Yeah. And th- I think this is the first one that didn't have a segment focused on Klinger. So maybe yeah. that's our problem. We didn't have a Klinger storyline other than <laughs> him apparently having a hernia and being like, does hernia surgery hurt? And everyone's like, no. That's the and entire he just bit. Does,
1: yeah, he just doesn't have the surgery. It's not brought up <laughs> again. Like, I just, uh, I don't know. It's just weird.
0: So with all that said, do you have any trivia for us with this episode?
1: So I do, I have some trivia about Odessa Cleveland who played uh, Ginger, um, but I also have, before I go into that, I do have some historical context on some things that were mentioned in the episode and also for like, kind of race relations in the military at the time of the Korean War. So just two years prior to the Korean War in 1948, President Truman had ordered the desegregation of the military. So the Korean War was the first, sorry, the first war that was technically with a desegregated military, but that typically that process of desegregation typically happened really slow moving forward uh, at first because a lot of the higher up or senior military officials were just kind of ignoring the order, unfortunately. So as you can imagine, and like in the episode as well, uh, non-white soldiers still faced a lot of racism, and Thurgood Marshall who was the first African American man to sit on the Supreme Court, had investigated instances of discrimination and unfair treatment of non-white soldiers during the Korean War. And it was his opinion that uh, the integration was kind of moving slower than it should have been because MacArthur himself, the general who was leading the army during the Korean War, was against desegregation. So... When Truman fired MacArthur in 1951, which is a spoiler alert for the Korean War, I guess.
0: Spoiler for real life.
1: <laughs> and General Matthew Ridgway took command. Um, that's when desegregation really kind of started up. And again, this this same kind of discrimination was faced during the Vietnam War and at the home front with when this episode would have been airing of like desegregation in civilian life as well. So that is just kind of an upsetting history about <sighs> unfortunately. Racism in the U.S. military. But Hawkeye and Trapper uh, mentioned to the racist soldier in this episode, uh, this doctor, uh, Dr. Charles Richard Drew. And he is known as the father of the blood bank because he pioneered the innovative research in the 1930s and 40s in how best to store and transport blood and plasma in order to send it off to Great Britain during World War II. And his work became a model for the Red Cross's blood mobiles, which were donation trucks that were refrigerated in order to store uh, blood and collect it. And ironically, the Red Cross didn't actually allow Black people to donate blood at the time of this while Dr. Drew was working with the Red Cross. And when the policy was lifted and later repealed and Black people were allowed to donate blood, it was segregated through collection, like it was separated white and Black blood. And so Dr. Drew resigned from the Red Cross in protest. One thing, though, uh, this was widely reported that at the time of his death, he had died in um, a car accident and was denied medical service um, from an all-white hospital. That actually turned out not to be true. He did die in a hospital. But at that time, it was very commonplace for hospitals to be, like, white only or have Black people be turned away because they didn't have enough, like, segregated uh, hospital rooms so even though that was fortunately not true for dr drew um it did unfortunately happen a lot
0: yeah that's uh some rough trivia you're bringing on
1: yeah i know it's it's i don't i don't know about you but like when i was in school i didn't know like i of course we learned about like The civil rights movement but i didn't know anything about like the racism in the military and that was i didn't know that until college so i think that it's just important that we know that history so hopefully we can move past it but um so thank
0: you for bringing it to us i like i always say i do enjoy the historical context that you bring but Uh, let's hear let's hear some more fun trivia about uh (laughs) nurse ginger
1: yeah definitely i I always like to bring it back to something that's a little bit more lighthearted so odessa cleveland played nurse ginger in about 20 episodes of mash she's best known for this role as ginger baker she is actually yet another guest star from this show that was on trapper john md so i feel like we have to find and watch that show we really do
0: That'll be our interseason bonus episode <laughs> next time we go on hiatus.
1: <laughs> um. So Odessa Cleveland is also a writer and I believe that she is still alive from everything that I've was researching i think she is still alive she is a writer and she had several poems published in local and national magazines which i thought was really cool and after her acting career she taught for many years in los angeles and she has a bachelor's degree in physical education and english as well as a master's degree in business management and education so this woman was like really cool like that's awesome
0: yo Imagine getting a gym teacher degree and a master's degree. <laughs> that is a that's a broad spectrum.
1: Yeah, good for her. Like I I I love yeah. when people who are actors also have these like prestigious uh, degrees and careers after acting. I think that that's really really cool.
0: Totally, one hundred percent. I really like Ginger. I wish we saw more of her because right now she's just kind of there when they need her. You know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would love to see like the inclusion of more female characters in the cast of Mash in general. But yeah, I, I I liked her character a lot.
0: Yeah. So, what would you rate this episode out of five martinis?
1: You know, I wanted to give it higher, but I'm gonna have to go with uh with two martinis out of five.
0: Oh man, that's our lowest one yet. Yeah,
1: that's pretty bad.
0: You're uh. You're basically sober at that point. You're not even. Yeah, not even. It.
1: I don't even have like a buzz going on, really. It's just a. Uh, you just
0: <laughs> kind of have a headache from it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I would give this. I think I would go higher than you. I think I'd give this a solid like 2.5. No, you might be right. This might be a 2. This might be below average. I feel yeah. that. You, you're, you're right. This might be. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad that we agree that we both. I, it's so unfortunate because, like, usually when we talk about an episode, we're like, oh, okay, like, even if we didn't like it that much while we talk about it, we realize that we like it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. this one was just
0: not great. <laughs> I think the highlights are highlights. I, I think yeah, the, the I'd agree with that. movie scene with uh, Henry is really good. I, I like all the parts individually, but they don't really come together. And the few of them that, like, work are kind of ruined by stuff later in the episode, like with Henry actively cheating on his wife in yeah. this episode. It uh, kind of takes away from that wholesome energy, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. I uh, well, I hope that it still rings true that next week's episode will just be a really high episode, because I we've said it in the past season, but when there are low episodes, lower episodes... Usually it's brought back up the next week with a really good episode.
0: I mean, considering it's called The Sniper, I imagine that it's gonna be slightly high stakes. So we'll get to that.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: But for now, just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to Jacob for your balcon, for being our technical consultant, Vanessa's sister, Melissa for her awesome cover art, and of course, our listeners. Our music, social media, and contact for the show are linked in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 2, Episode 10, The Sniper. Until then, make some home movies. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Bye, everyone. Guess who did that in one take?